Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Looney Tunes back in action. With special guest David Wolzinski. You know, that's all, folks. You know, we could have just put the music in the intro. Yeah, I don't think that's copyrighted. Yeah, but why do that when I can do it? That is true. I didn't. I did appreciate your uh, acapella rendition of it. Thank you. Because now it's going to be the regular Brendan Fraser music. I was going to do the Looney Tunes music, but now you just did the Looney Tunes music, so I can't do both. Yeah. No, you can mix them into it. I royally fucked you, and you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, great. So it's the main music, and now it's me, you know. Actually, it would be nice if there was just a moment of quiet, and then it was that, so the <laughs> audience can get the reaction that we got. <laughs> the authentic play by play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, welcome, folks. This week, we're talking about Looney Tunes back in action, as I'm sure you could tell by that. Um, last week, thank you for listening to our episode on Dickie Roberts, former child star. Uh, we hope you enjoyed talking about Dickie. <laughs> So I, I hate to uh, go on a tangent immediately already. Can you hear okay. anything? I lost a hearing. I don't know. Uh, try speaking. Okay, check, I can check. hear. Okay. It's David speaking. I Hello. lost hearing again. Is it just me? Okay, now I hear it. I hear it again. Okay. This you is this is the, the content that the audience is creating. Yeah. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Dope. All right. Okay. Let me know if it happens again. <laughs> All, right. All right, dude. What were you saying? This is I the was content say, they crave. I forgot. <laughs> it, it might have been something to... with the connectors. And, you know, I'll have to like yeah. send it go with a radio shack and <laughs> what were you get saying? I'm sorry. What were you saying before? Maybe so it's like the electromagnetism. Tan- inside. <laughs> sorry, I'm just going... What were you saying before? It was <laughs> fucking no hit me with what you gotta say. Uh is this something about Dickie Roberts. So... Yes, okay, that's what it is. So when you guys were doing Travolting, yes. I didn't manage to listen to every episode, but I made sure to come to the ones that I knew. And I was gonna yeah. do the same thing with Fraser's Edge also. Every time I've heard a title of a Brendan Fraser movie, I'm like, man, there are more of these than I remember. And I think the one we're talking about today is the only one I've ever actually watched. The mummy? I've never actually you seen watched the mummy. Wait, no, I saw the last mummy movie. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Yes, I <laughs> I'm saw so that one. Sorry. So I saw that one. Not to talk about the other movie, but in this one, but I saw that one. Uh, we were supposed to go to a water park for summer camp, and then it rained, so they mm. hastily brought us to like a two dollar movie theater <laughs> to see that. The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Yes, but back okay. to Looney Tunes. Yeah, back to Looney Tunes. Um. This is the 2003 motion picture, Looney Tunes, but I've lost hearing again. This is crazy. Um, it's not... I can still see our levels on the recording, so I know we're still yeah. doing that. Uh, check, yeah, check, I, check. This is perfect. All right. Maybe it's just that port. Yeah. It's not good. All right. Um, so... Ah! <laughs> Never had to knock on one. Uh, okay. Let's see. Can you hear me? Uh, folks, this is a Looney episode because we're talking about Looney Tunes. 
A good save. Bunch yes. of maroons. So, uh, Brendan Fraser. Let's talk about Brendan Fraser, the subject of this podcast real quick. Um, and then we'll go into the movie and uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, so, Brendan, you know, he's at a weird inflection point in his career right now. Uh, he's, you know, coming off of the two Mummy movies, major successes. Um, but any, you know, everything he's doing to try and break out of that hasn't really been paying off recently. Um, you know, like his mon- your monkey bones didn't quite work. Your bedazzled didn't quite work. Um, the Quiet American worked, but he was, you know, the smaller part in that. But that becomes a Michael Caine vehicle. Dudley Do-Right doesn't launch the franchise it's supposed to. Um, so Brendan, you know, he has the mummy, but he doesn't have much else going on. He still has a lot of clout off of those movies. So he's, you know, trying to figure out what will keep me afloat right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Right around the same time, uh, Warner Brothers is interested in revitalizing Looney Tunes again. Uh, they use space, you know, Space Jam came out in '96, I think. Space and Space Jam was a big success. Space Jam was the last like revitalization of the Looney Tunes, and then a sequel to Space Jam gets stop uh, gets stuck in development hell for roughly five to six years. Um, they try and make a Space Jam two. Michael Jordan eventually drops out. Space Jam two does not get made. Um, they then try and convert the sequel that they're writing into a new movie called Spy Jam, which is Jackie Chan and Looney Tunes. And it's the same riff as Space Jam, where it's like they're on, like, it's like a parody of a sports movie, but this time it's a spy movie and Jackie Chan's in it. Uh, never gets fully off the ground. They then transition into, well, what what can we figure out next? Uh, at this point, it's offered to Joe Dante, who does direct this movie. Um, and he decides he wants to make an old school style riff on Looney Tunes cartoons. Like it's all gags all the time. And that's the movie that does end up eventually getting made. Uh, David, I saw you kind of like, you have more context about this movie. There was one more attempt to do a jam style movie, apparently called race jam. Great. It was going to have a NASCAR driver yeah. in it. That's all the context I got on it. And I'm curious if that's what leads to the Jeff Gordon cameo in this That's movie. what I think it was, actually. Yeah. Um, because Joe Dante... Um, I want to talk about Joe Dante real quick um, before we... Joe Dante is like kind of a preeminent, you know... I don't want to say spoof face, but like, you know, a lot of his movies are inspired by 50s B-movies. And that's very much where his career comes from. You know, he does... Piranha, The Burbs, Matinee, Small Soldiers, both of the Gremlins movies. Um, he comes from that school of like kind of like B movie riffs. Mm-hmm. He does one of the the better installments in the Twilight Zone movie, uh, not the one where two people got murdered. Uh-huh. Um, it, I'm not gonna dive into it, but <laughs> I'll look that up later. Yes, but he's kind of a perfect fit for Looney Tunes style you know, humor. A lot of his movies are gag-based. He's very expressionistic in his visuals. He's very expressionistic in his ideas. And so he he's very interested in making this movie. He's also really big on mixing animated and live-action elements to it, with, with you mentioning Small Soldiers especially. Yes. He, he's an experimenter. He likes doing stuff like that. He likes playing with effects. Um, the problem that... Joe Dante runs into in this movie is that Warner Brothers does not understand Looney Tunes. 
Um, and he basically fights with Warner Brothers for the entirety of this movie. What? Warner Brothers screwed over the artistic visions of people? Shocker, right? Right. Um, because he's Joe Dante very opposed to Space Jam as a concept. He's like, that does not understand the Looney Tunes characters. They're not basketball players. They're like comedians. Like they do gags. They don't, you know, yeah. play in a, you know, a team. Um, uh, um, whatever. Ah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God. Ask me why I screamed later audience. Yeah. But, um, just stabbed a fork in his leg. So he comes in and he very much says like, um, we're going to make, I'm like, I'm going to make this movie. I'm going to make it the way I want to make it. It's going to be very, you know, B movie inspired. It's going to be like a classic Looney Tunes cartoon. It's just various set pieces of gags with like mm-hmm. kind of a thin story to tie them up. Is yeah. the idea. Warner Brothers consistently throughout the entire process fights with him. Jonte describes it as the longest year and a half of his life. Um, says that the opening, middle, and end of the movie are different than what he envisioned, but that he managed, he believes he managed to preserve the characters and their integrity. Uh, that's what he considers his big victory off the movie. Even if he says the process of making a movie was the a pretty grim experience all around. Apparently, one of the brothers insisted that Bugs Bunny do hip hop in the movie, and he fought violently against that. Um, it's a little funny. There's like those shirts that were really big yeah. in the early 2000s, the Looney Tunes characters as hip hop stars. Yes. Where it's like Tweety Bird, but with like a backwards hat. Yeah. But I think that's important before we discuss the plot that this movie's conception is to take the Looney Tunes back to their original, like, idea. Yeah. They're almost 70 years old at the time this movie comes out. They look good. What's that? They look good. Yeah, they look good for that age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a little funny, Stuart. <laughs> just a little funny. Thank you, Joe. Uh, for the listener at home, Stuart and I just recorded the next episode that you guys are going to listen to, and he's a little defeated by it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but the reason Fraser signs on to this movie, both as like an attempt to launch a new franchise for himself, um, because he's looking for another hit, um, but also because he sees this movie as a chance to take the piss out of himself. Brendan, at this moment, is kind of going through a bit of a crisis, um, personally. Um, This movie comes out around the time that he is uh, sexually assaulted by the head of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Mm. He's feeling down on his career. He's feeling down on himself. And it's depressing to say, but he says, like, the reason that he wanted to do this movie is um, I wanted to take the piss out of myself before someone else could. Because in my head, I felt that I had it coming. Um, there's a part in this movie where his character meets actual Brendan Fraser and he punches himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual Brendan Fraser, he's playing him, both both himself, and he's playing himself up as like an egotistical like asshole. Yeah. And he says it was my vision of the worst version of myself, and I got to deck me. If it, it was a form of therapy for myself. Yeah. Hmm. So wow. this movie, in addition to being you know an attempt for a hit and whatnot. It's also Brendan, you know, kind of trying to work through where he's at in his career. Because mm-hmm. his character in this movie is a guy who doesn't quite know where he fits in in Hollywood. Yeah. And he's struggling to try and find a place. 
And that's where Brendan's at right now in his career. And it's also sad to say that this movie does not succeed. Yeah. Um, and this movie kind of marks the end of Brendan's A-list run. Because uh, after this, it, there's like two more big movies he does, and neither of them work. Yeah. So it's sad. Yeah. Um, but I do think that this movie is a you know a great reminder of why we fell in love with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of your feelings on the movie itself, he works really well on it. Yeah, I agree. Um, He's performing really well with people who aren't actually there. Yes. Most of his scenes in this movie are with cartoon characters. Yeah. And uh, Brendan has openly, you know, he said um, in regards to working with anime characters, he did a recent GQ interview. He says, how do you act with a cartoon character? I think you have to make them a person. You have to have, you have to have them have hopes and aspirations. He cited Buster Keaton and Bill Irwin as inspirations for his performances. Mm-hmm. Um, he said the last thing that he needed to bring his performance, you just need to have a belief in everything you're doing because if you don't believe in yourself, your audience won't believe in you. No, Fraser. Yeah. Cute. So, Too cute. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about kind of the, the lack of ego in his performances, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that shines through in this movie. Yeah. He's acting off of cartoon characters. He's, op- he's you know, physically humiliating himself. Yeah. Not like he's, like, doing anything promiscuous, but, like, he's just... He's throwing himself around like a ragdoll. Yeah. yeah. The joke is that he is a stuntman in the uh, yeah. in this movie. He's Brendan Fraser's stuntman in this movie. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, he does... He literally punches his ego at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um. So, a lot of that, you know, those elements that we were talking about throughout this career run do kind of rear their heads in this movie. That it's, you know, he's trying his best to kind of fight away that ego and just deliver a performance, but by, you know, not fully caring about himself, Mm -hmm. it's where it starts to hurt him. Yeah. Because he does, you know, he's getting injured at this point in his career a lot. Um, I think that's all I have in terms of pre-context before we dive into the movie. Yeah, well, with with, with that whole um, stunt thing, like, you know, there are a lot of stunts in this movie that yeah. involve Fraser, like throwing himself around. Like, I, I wonder if there were, I, I didn't read of any such incidents, but I wonder if there were any like, you know, injuries that he sustained on set on this movie only because I see him doing a lot more physical mm-hmm. body, you know, punishing, uh, stunts and stuff. Like he falls off buildings and he throws goes him, through walls and he lands on two tables from a story up twice yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And it looks like it's him doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So I don't, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder how much abuse his body took in this movie. Maybe none at all. Maybe he was very well taken care of and maybe, you know, they did it all properly, but mm-hmm. something tells me that yeah. he, he kind of forego, forego all that. Especially as at this point, like we've said, he's very down on himself and taking it out on himself physically. And he's a yes man. Yeah. And he'll do whatever you tell him. Yeah. Um, on that cheery note, <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, I quickly... First of all, I haven't even said thank you for coming on. Oh, today. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm so happy to be yeah. here. I'm, it's always a pleasure yeah. coming onto this place. Uh, what is your connection to this movie? Uh, what this inspired you to pick this? Is uh, so this is one of those movies that like I watched on repeat every day when I was a little kid. I had this. D- it was like one of the first DVDs I owned, mm-hmm. 
and it just was always on like it was always looping i think it was also one of the dvds that if you let the menu run for long enough it's just gonna start playing the movie mm. again so i just i've watched this non-stop and we were talking a little bit before uh, we actually started recording but i grew up more with the looney tunes than i did with like many disney cartoons mm-hmm. um i had the like looney tunes back uh not back in action but also that too considering we're talking about the movie but uh, I had the Golden Collection uh, DVD box set. So yeah. I just had Looney Tunes cartoons always on when I was a kid. My, my dad had those collections. And it was a bonding experience for me and him that we would watch Looney Tunes some nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daffy Dog is just one of my favorite animated characters in general. Wabbit Thetham. <laughs> Fire! <laughs> Duck Amuck, yeah. I think, actually is probably one of the best Looney Tunes cartoons in general. The one where he's fighting with the animator. I have not seen Duck and Mark. Oh, it's so good. They also made a video game off of it for the DS where your stylus pen is the animator's pen. And you fight Daffy Duck. Yes. Very good. So that's your connection to this movie. Stuart, have you you said you had seen this before, right? Yeah, like once or twice before as a little kid. Um, and that was really it. I I didn't really grow up that much with Looney Tunes. Um I obviously like any other normal kid was aware of them. Um, but I didn't really have too much of like a Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck connection, um, as I did to like more Disney properties. Um, but I had seen Looney Tunes back in action a while ago. I don't remember what my thoughts were as a kid. Probably just like, this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Stuart, I have an interesting question for you and me. Yeah. Is this the first Brendan movie that we saw? I think it. I think it's probably the first introduction of Brandon Fraser both of us had. Both of us had in our lives, probably. Unless you saw George's Jungle when you were really young. I might have seen George the Jungle beforehand, but I. Mm. I it's so early I can't remember. It was. It was either George or this movie. One this, of the two. This is definitely my first Brendan movie. Same here. Yeah, it's one of my only Brendan movies. <laughs> if we keep that little tangent Mummy Tomb of the Dragon yeah, Emperor, yeah, this Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, <laughs> just a, a rough lineup. Yeah, but no, I, I, it, it could very well have been, but I, I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. It might have been. Um, I, and I didn't really think of it as like Brendan Fraser as much. Was yeah. I was so young enough that the main actor in my mind were the cartoons, was Bugs Bunny, was Bugs yeah. Bunny, and Daffy Duck. Yeah. Uh, I certainly didn't know who Steve Martin was. <laughs> I didn't know Steve Martin was in this until I rewatched it for this podcast. <laughs> Steve Martin, who love him to death, he is playing a Martin Short role. <laughs> yeah, that should be Martin Short. That should be Martin Short. Also, uh, Robert Picardo is uh, on. He's another like big com- like character actor who's like on the board. I'm like, I yeah. feel like he could have done more with this role than Steve yeah. Martin is okay. there. I want to talk about the board of directors for the Acme Corporation. <laughs> oh real my quick. god, aren't they? <laughs> Before we get into the plot, we got to talk about the guys who were on that. You said Rob Picardo. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron Perlman yeah. is one of them. He has one line. Technically two. Technically two. One of them he is a skeleton for. Yeah. But he just sits there. Stuart, do you know who one of the board of directors is? No. The uh, the vice president of climbing to the top is uh, Leo Rossi, who is the, the writer of Gotti. Oh. <gasps> No. And also he plays Bobby Boriello in Gotti. Um, oh my God. And he is the VP of climbing to the top in this. Yeah. One of the two credited writers of the motion picture Gotti that we covered on this podcast with David. Yeah. Wow. I don't think he has any lines, but he is sitting there and I was like, Oh fuck. That's Bobby Boriello. <laughs> <laughs> the VP, the, every, what everyone a VP is, is actually pretty great. 
It's um, it's VP of stating the obvious, VP of never learning, VP of rhetorical questions, VP of climbing to the top. Um, uh, and I think one is VP of child labor. Yeah, VP of child labor. <laughs> Put espresso in their sippy cups. <laughs> <laughs> why Why do we have to make seven-year-olds make shoes in sweatshops in China when well, we can make three-year-olds do it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so do we want to dive into the plot? Sure. What plot? Or plot. <laughs> uh, the loose connection of scenes that are yeah. a plot. The skeleton that gets the scenes. The skeleton yeah. of Ron Perlman yeah. <laughs> of this movie. He's like, <laughs> I abstain, Yana. Yeah. Uh... I mean, yeah, we start off with... I mean, how else do you start off with a Looney Tunes movie other than a Looney Tunes cartoon? Yeah, we start with the yeah. Duck Season cartoon. Yeah. And it gets out of... But it gets out of it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it starts with, like, you know, the Duck Season. like, Wabbit Season. Duck Season. Rabbit Season. Wabbit Season. Duck Season. Fire! And then, you know, Daffy gets his head blown off. Yeah. And we pull out to a boardroom. Daffy, who is seamlessly an indestructible person. Yes. I think he gets melted at one point. Yeah. He gets melted, crushed, crushed. beheaded, shot. <laughs> he does get beheaded. By a laser. <laughs> by a laser. And he parts the Caribbean dead man's chest, that head. Yeah. <laughs> His beak gets Follow removed my several voice. times. Follow my voice. No, <laughs> that's a tree. <laughs> we are going to later talk about my favorite joke in this movie, which is the pendulum of doom. <laughs> and I just want to acknowledge that right now. It's no. <laughs> a good bit. <laughs> No, not the pendulum of doom. doom. That's it's too over, much. It's overkill. <laughs> um, but now we cut out to a boardroom um, from this cartoon where we meet the Warner Brothers, <laughs> who are just <laughs> twins. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Dan and Don Warner. Yeah, Dan and Don Warner. You know what my girlfriend said when we watched what? this? <laughs> she said, do you think one of those names is Donald? The other one is Donald." <laughs> I was like, or his name is Daniel. Daniel? Daniel? Donald and Daniel. <laughs> that would be such a good joke if it was Donald and Daniel. Angelica, if you're listening to this, good good work on that one. <laughs> um, But Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny are also present in the room, as is Vice President of Comedy, Kate uh, Houghton, uh, played by Jenna Elfman, who, if you don't know her name she at this point is coming off of the show dharma and greg where she uh received a golden globe and emmy for is she any relation to danny elfman no and does oh. that have any relation to dharma angelad uh no damn but All she she down. did the abc sitcom dharma and greg and this was kind of her like big break into movies the looney tunes back in action movie is yes it's like that's a big, big break into movies like she does a five-year run on a ma- a very successful sitcom and she finishes up the sitcom she's gotten golden globes and emmys off of it and it's like all right i finished up the sitcom it's time for me to move into movies and so this is teed up as like her big entry point into hollywood Mm-hmm. is it's like it's her she's in a two-hander with brendan fraser it's an established property this is like what gets her on the scene yeah um i think the fact that uh, she basically goes back to tv after this is a great indication of how this movie did um which is sad but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> vp of comedy but yeah she's the vp of comedy 
Um, and Daffy Duck is saying he's sick of playing second fiddle to Bugs Bunny um, and wants his own movies. Mm-hmm. And the Warner Brothers are like, no. Yeah, uh, you, your chart is in the down where Bugs Bunny's chart is in the up. Yes, so they fire Daffy Duck. They fire Daffy Duck. <laughs> That's Donald, but okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Get your shit together, fuckface. I told you I grew up with Disney. Yeah. I do kind of love the fact that the plot of this movie is that Warner Brothers didn't understand their property and had to fix it really quick. Yeah, because they fire him then and are like, we need him back. And then a few years later, they do the same thing with DC. Yeah. DC and every other property they own. That's a disaster over there right now. Did anyone see Space Jam 2? No. no. Don't. Good. Why would I? Yeah. Um, Granny does the Matrix bullet dodge yeah. scene. And Rick and Morty are in it for a second. Yeah. The the guys from the Clockwork Orange. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, what was I just going to say? Oh, I, I have a soft spot for this specific type of plot. Road I, trip. Oh, what? Road trip. No, I love movies like cartoon movies where the cartoons are real people in the real world. It's very uh, Who Framed Roger yeah, Rabbit. It's in terms very of how they Roger film it. Rabbit. Like I love, like Roger Rabbit is just like a perfect movie to me. Like I love that movie so fucking much, and I love all the parts in that movie that are just cartoons in like boardroom meetings, yeah. being like, "Hey, I want to bet upon this picture." <laughs> like the baby's like waving a cigar around. Yeah, and I love that this movie picks up that energy. For this beginning oh. part of it. Yeah. But like even for the rest of the movie, it's about like these cartoon characters have real world presences. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much. Yeah. Uh, but they fire Daffy Duck. He's thrown out of the studio. And um, Kate orders security guard slash stuntman DJ Drake. Brendan Fraser. DJ Drake. Yeah. Well, of, of no are, relation to Drake, the fucking, actual DJ. What fucking name is that? <laughs> his, his full initials are DJ D. Well, he's Damien Jr. So DJ. Because oh. his dad is Damien Drake, who's the biggest action star well, at Warner Bros. If, listen, if Brendan Fraser is going for that Harrison Ford replacement title, then they should just call him Junior, this movie. Junior. Junior. <laughs> Imagine Harrison Ford in this movie. Urgh, cartoons. <laughs> Get this tune out of here. I'm sick and tired of it. <laughs> uh, the murder victim seems to be coated by blood. Human blood? No. Tune blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he is ordered to get Daffy out of the Warner Brothers studio lot. Another thing I adore in movies. I love any movie that is set partially on a back lot and the version of back lots that are in movies. Where everything's filming at the exact yeah, same time. Yeah, everything is filming at the exact same time and everything is happening. Like Ed Wood, um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, this. You know, there's a million and a half movies that are set on back. Liar, liar, or Big Fat Liar. Big Fat Liar. Any movie where it's like the guy walks out of the soundstage and there's like 300 fucking people in between the soundstage and like pushing backdrops and like there's all these guys in crazy costumes like milling about. I love that shit. I love the movies. <laughs> I love the movies. I love being reminded of the movies. <laughs> um, and so he Daffy Duck tries to run, and DJ Jake chases him through um, 
the Warner Bros. backlot. This is a very fun chase scene also. They do end up climbing up a building and um, Daffy Duck jumps off the side and DJ tries to jump after him and ends up spoiling a take for the new Batman movie. Yeah. Which is being directed by Roger Corman, apparently. Yeah. It's also called, if you read like their chairs, it says Batman again. <laughs> Batman again. There's a guy in the, it's the Val, I think it's the Val Kilmer bats. Yeah. It's the Val yeah, Kilmer sonar suit. It's the suit Val painted. Kilmer yeah, uh, Batmobile. No, it's the Tim Burton Batmobile. It is. Is it the Tim Burton Batmobile? I thought it was the Tim Burton one. Well, I, I think the Tim Burton Batmobile is like the same as the well, Val Kilmer I Tim Burton. I think it's Batmobile. the Val, I think it has the wings. Doesn't but the it? wings. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember how big the wings are on on the one in this movie. I remember the difference between the Tim Burton Batmobile and the Val Kilmer Batmobile is not that much. There's not that much different about it. I know the front of it looks almost identical to the Tim Burton one, but maybe they modified it. Here, I'm looking up the picture Tim of the Batmobile right Batmobile. It is the Tim Burton Batmobile. You're right. Yeah. Although it's like weird. They added a center pole to it for the uh, cockpit to open and close. Yeah. It's the... I'm looking up the Val Kilmer... Yeah, the Val Kilmer Batmobile looks very different. It has, like, a big center fin, right? Yeah, it has a center fin, and it doesn't have, like, the the circle on the front. Like, the exhaust fan on the front. Although, I do know the Val Kilmer one, I think, is the first time they got the bat emblem to not rotate with the wheel. (laughs) Because it's, like, in the middle there. Yeah. Like, it's not actually a part of the hubcap. It's just, like, attached to the frame itself. Is the George Clooney Batmobile similar like no his is the only batmobile that's a single cockpit without like a thing that goes into it it's just a single seat in the middle oh yeah i'm looking at the george clooney one now i found an an article called every batmobile from every batman movie and i clicked on it because i'm a fiend yeah all right so here here's the batmobile that we get in this movie it is um it's this this is the Batmobile in this movie. This is the one from Batman and Batman Returns. Yeah. The Tim Burton one. And supposedly The Flash. Yes. The Flash. A movie that will definitely come out. <laughs> um, Val Kilmer. They're using the Val Kilmer suit, though. Also, real quick. here Here's just all the, the Batmobiles. There's the the Batman. It's just a car. <laughs> yeah. That one actually is a car. It was a con- the one for the 60s movie. I mean, uh, just the 60s series was a concept Lincoln car that he- the set designer bought for a dollar. <laughs> Imagine. And then sold it for like, like a couple mil. Here's the George Clooney one. It's atrocious. That is terrible. Toyetic. I mean, that, that movie's... I do think Batman and Robin actually has a lot of, you know... It's got a lot of camp charm to it. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. Batman um, doesn't just always need to be grimdark. Yes. He can be funny. Mm-hmm. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Speaking of Batman being funny, Looney Tunes back in action. Uh, the, the Brendan Fraser ruins the stunt. Yeah. And Batman's at the top of the building like, what? What are you doing? And Roger Corman comes up and starts yelling at uh, yeah. DJ. That airbag costs a lot of money. Meanwhile, um... You know, Daffy Duck gets in the Batmobile to try and make his getaway. DJ sees this and pulls Daffy out, but the Batmobile's already in motion, and it flies forward and crashes into the Warner Brothers water tower, knocks it over, and floods the back lot. Mm-hmm. DJ is fired. Uh, in the background of DJ, like, getting fired, the Batmobiles is still apparently oh, yeah. on the loose. It's still, it's like doing a chase, and there's like a team of 20 guys chasing after it, deep out of focus in the background. Yeah. It's so funny. I also love the fact that they make him take off his badge, rip off his pouch, and then just take off his shirt anyway, so there wasn't a point to the first two actions. Just keep going. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. 
Did uh, we lose sound again? No. Nope. Just keep going. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Just okay. Keep going. We'll keep going. Um, so DJ's fired and he goes home. Um, he discovers then that Daffy Duck has hid in his backpack. Um, Daffy and him are like, de- tr- uh, God. he tries to throw Daffy. Uh, crash really messed me up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to say it. Our, our crash episode really messed me up. That you'll listen to next week. Yeah, we record that right before this. Mm. Um, so D- uh, Daffy discovers that DJ's dad is Damian Drake, who's the number one action star at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Timothy Dalton. And he's just, it's just James Bond movies, but they all have like good parodies. Like, uh, they're all fun titles, like die again, again (laughs) and whatnot. Um, Daffy's insisting to him that he's dad. His dad is actually a secret agent Mm -hmm. and that being a secret agent who plays secret agents in movies is a great cover story for being a real secret agent. DJ insists that's not the case. And then his, uh, a projector screen illuminates well first his uh his remote starts ringing yeah and he picks it up and presses a button and the projector screen just appears in the wall yeah it's, it's a like, painting yeah the yeah it slides down and it turns into a tv and a little projector pops out of like a, a thing. yeah and we get a, a video message from his dad damian drake who's in a fight or with dj i don't know if that's how he talks dj yeah he's a dj my son I'm being captured by... That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good impression. I'm being captured by um, the Acme Corporation. You must go to Dusty Tales in Las Vegas and mention the Blue Monkey. Talk to Dusty Tales. Yes. What what does Acme stand for? Um, Have you ever figured that out? Other than it's close to Acne? No. Um, The name Acme comes from the Greek where... (laughs) Meaning summit, highest point, eternity, or peak. Neat. Um, it is, yeah, it's a, it's from Greek. Um, it's just the what Looney Tunes went with. It, Acme is, it would, people use the name Acme because it, um, for their companies, because it appears at the beginning of the, uh, the yellow pages. Oh. Uh, um, so you would be the first thing that people would see. When they look uh, for something. Oh, uh, have we already have we already gone through a Steve Martin scene? No. Um, Steve Martin's in this, folks. He is in this movie, and he plays um, the main villain. Yeah, uh, Acme. I think he's the chairman. His, yeah, the chairman. That's that, his name. That's his name, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman. Uh, yeah, just that's all. It's, that's all he's labeled in uh, IMDb. We'll just have to imagine the fire. <laughs> Dude, don't, of course, don't, don't let him break you. Oh uh, yes, Mister Daffy. <laughs> what if Bane was in this movie? It's probably in Space Jam too. I think any movie can be improved by the addition of Bane. <laughs> like, imagine you're just watching like Crash. What's a, what's a movie that's come out recently? Crash. No, recently. 
Crash 2. No. <laughs> Replace, no. Uh, I'm not talking about Crash. <laughs> Replace Scott Ling's daughter from uh, Ant-Man 2 with Bane. <laughs> yeah. Dad. Oh, yes. Just screaming dad over. Half of her lines in that movie is just dad. Yeah, dad. I saw the movie. It's so bad. Replace Sadie Sink in The Whale with Bane. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, like Brendan Fraser's just like chilling out. You see so- his reaction to it? He is so intrigued by it. <laughs> the door just opens and he's like, Oh, uh, yes. My father, the whale. <laughs> I was so concerned. It'll be a grease fire in hell when he dies. Uh, a bane? Oh, you think you can order the pizza? I was like... built by it. Molded by it. <laughs> I just, the, oh. I love the, the legacy of the Dark Knight trilogy isn't the phenomenal second movie. It's the silly voice that they decided to give Bane in the third one. What won Best Picture this past year? Everything, um, everywhere, all everything once. everywhere, all at once. I've uh, not actually seen that yet. That's not as much fun to put. You could Bane add Bane in, in that. Yeah, no, you could easily put Bane in well, that. Well, yeah. That's not as. The problem is if you put Bane in that, it's like, it, it makes it, sense. It like, kind of fits with the movie. Yeah. Um, but like the Fablemans, oh. Imagine, like, little Stevie Spielberg, like, at the end of the movie, he goes Your to this. father and I are getting a divorce. <laughs> no, it ter- um, hit the Seth Rogen character, Uncle Benny, it's Uncle Bane. <laughs> and, like, it's just like, yes, you should pursue your passion for film. <laughs> but you know what comes first. Crashing this plane. <laughs> <laughs> We're no survivors. No survivors. (laughs) Do you guys remember the original Bane voice? When they when they did like the preview screening for the for the opening scene of that movie before Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Oh no, I don't. If you saw Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol on IMAX, you got the opening scene from The Dark Knight Rises, Mm -hmm. and it was and it was Bane on set recording. They did not ADR it or overdub it. And it was borderline incomprehensible. <laughs> it sounded like this. Oh, no, this is our friend. <laughs> it was incomprehensible. So they had to go back and re-record all of that the Bane dialogue. That was the comprehensible version of Bane in yeah. that final movie. They re-recorded all of the Bane dialogue for that movie. Wow. Um, In studio. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. And our plan turned the whole human race into monkeys. <laughs> we will have the blue Speak monkey. the devil, and he shall come. <laughs> we shall take the son of a spy and get the blue monkey for ourselves. Get the blue monkey virus. Stuart, I got a question for you. Yeah. Lean, lean forward. Lean forward. Do you feel the charge? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in charge here. Do you feel in charge? charge. <laughs> right, we've not talked about Bane for five minutes. I think we've talked about for Bane longer than we have the plot of the movie. Looney Tunes Bane in action. <laughs> A blue monkey of Irish shall turn all the monkeys into slaves. <laughs> We're gonna turn them and into we'll sh- give it back the city to you. The, the mon- people. The monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> we give it back to you. 
the monkey is supposed to be wily. Now be wily. I have in my hands a letter from James Gordon. Do you accept this man's resignation? Do you accept the resignation of all the correct? Alright, I'm cutting off the bait. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's too much fun stop. to do the voice. Because I will just keep doing Bane if I <laughs> the whole podcast is Bane. Yeah. All right, so the next ah, scene, he's going scene of the movie. Oh, Jeff, just okay. stop. Okay. Uh, that's enough Bane. That was a good palate cleanser from Crash. Yeah. Where the fuck were, where are we in this movie? Uh, we, <laughs> they literally just they left to go to Vegas. The water tower, okay. and they left for Vegas. Okay, so they're going. So DJ and Daffy are going to Vegas. D and D are going to Vegas. Yeah, and then Double D are going to Vegas. And, and then uh, Kate also gets fired. Yes, because, because she fired Daffy Duck. And they do this first skit with uh, what's the hunter's name? Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd. Put some respect on that name, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Quiet. That's actually really good, Jesus. I'm on Stewart's. It's Jeff season. Wabbit season. Jeff season. Stewart season. Stewart season. Jeff season. Fire. (laughs) Bam. All right. Oh, my God. Jeff Jeff just been shot. I got to touch the recording. Uh, Elmer, Elmer, what did you do? Uh, uh, He's bleeding out. Elmer, get out of here. You got to run. Uh, I'm on the run. I'm on the <laughs> I'm on land. Why did you know I, turn him into a, I turned him into a goat at the end there. You know what would be a good Looney Tunes cartoon? <laughs> Elmer Fudd actually fucking murders Daffy Duck, and he has to go on the land. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's like... Elmer Fudd and he's like crouched in some like low like abandoned motel in Gary, Indiana and like you see the squad lights going by through the cracks in the window. He's hanging out with Saul Goodman. (laughs) (laughs) He's like calling he's like trying to buy a bootleg shotgun off like a coke dealer. These don't have any uh, serial numbers on them. I can't do the voice anymore. I lost it. These uh, don't have the serial numbers anymore. <laughs> All right, so Kate also gets fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bugs gets shot by Bug, Bugs gets shot um, because the skit doesn't a... work without Daffy. You need yeah. them both. You need two to tango. Yeah. Only Daffy can get shot because yeah. he has regenerative, regenerative abilities. Yeah. <gasps> Or his Bugs Bunny is like, uh, he's out for a week. The Warner Brothers tell Kate that she can have her job back if she gets Daffy back. By Monday. By Monday. She has a one weekend. And so she goes off with Bugs to try and find Daffy. Yeah. And that leads them to DJ's house. Yeah. Where they find... The spy car. They find the spy car. And there's a psycho reference. Yes, there's a psycho reference where she walks, hears someone in the shower... And thinks it's DJ, but it's Bugs. And he does the whole psycho scene where he, like blood goes down the drain. He pours uh, Hershey's syrup. Yeah. It's a good gag. All the gags in this movie are fun. That's also I think nobody the... knocks anymore. Yeah, it's also the first time uh, one of the actors just spikes the camera, and they're like, yeah. "Okay, this bit's going on." Dude, this, this episode has tremendous Austin Powers and Gold Member energy, where there's really not a plot for us to discuss. So we're just gonna ramble say... through scenes. No, we're gonna say bits and then laugh at them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so they're on their way to... Hey, I'm fucking Mini-Me! <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Have you seen Austin Powers in Gold Member? Yes, I've seen that, and I loved your guys' episode on okay, that where, also. <laughs> where Danny DeVito is Mimi. He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm fucking, fucking Mini-Me! 
Danny DeVito as Elmer Fudd. I'm fucking Elmer Fudd. <laughs> um, Imagine if that's what how the beginning of this movie started. Is it started with a live action making of Looney Tunes, yeah. but instead of like like it's real life actors playing the cartoons, and it's the cartoons as yeah. the executive watching. Yeah. And so we literally have Tom Cruise as a Bugs Bunny, and he like. It's literally just Tom Cruise wearing a normal Tom Cruise outfit, but with animated Bugs yeah. Bunny ears. Looks at the camera. CGI takes a bite with the buck teeth out of a carrot. Like, uh, what's up, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> like, and they cut to like the boardroom yeah. conference. Like, I didn't say the voice well enough. You know? You know what the actual correct way to start this movie would be? What? We should start on a uh, grassy field in uh, somewhere in former Soviet republics. Joke. And a jeep drives through the grass. We pull up to a spy plane where Aiden Gillen is waiting. <laughs> they load three you. bagged men into the plane. I fucking hate you. <laughs> they take off. I wish you would he's interrogating choke them. on your own tug. <laughs> he's interrogating the guy in the bag. And then he takes it off his bane. No, no. He takes <laughs> off the first guy's bag and he's like, where's Bane? <laughs> and then he throw, he's like... He fakes shooting the guy and throwing the plane. He's like, he didn't fly so good. And they say, why, what perhaps he's wondering, wondering why, why you would shoot a man and then throw him out of an airplane. <laughs> That's how this movie is. Is this part of your dastardly plan? Of course. Then, but then uh, proceeding two hours and 45 minutes of this movie go by and it's just the Dark Knight <laughs> Um, No. Okay. So they're at, they're at fucking DJ Drake's house. <laughs> we haven't finished the first act <laughs> they find the spy car and bugs and um kate get into it and they the go- spy car sexually assaults kate yes oh yeah <laughs> we need to we need to talk about that yes because bug starts pushing buttons on the spy car one releases a nuclear bomb that destroys all of manhattan yeah millions die that's not actually what happens. It goes off in the middle of a desert. Yeah. But anyway, he pushes another button, and then like these weird mechanical arms come out, and it changes them all into a costume. And I've also noticed that the spy car, the steering wheel's on the other side because it's British. It's pretty. Blimey, isn't it? It's a isn't it? Uh, Fernie Branca. Fernie Branca. <laughs> it's a British car. <laughs> I went to that cafe, and every day I hold myself a Fernie, Fernie Branca. We we talked a lot about Fernie Branca in our a quiet American the quiet American episode. Uh, you know what's funny about this, Jeff? Yeah, we have talked about the Dark Knight no, no, Rises no, 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 a no, no, lot no, on this. No, no, show. no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's funny. It's like that we're going off on all these tangents and doing these ridiculous bits and jokes, but it's almost in match step with this fucking yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense for us to do it. Yeah. Whereas other movies, we'd probably want to curb our yeah. references and bits. Stuart, how do we one day do a Dark Knight Rise up? Who do we got to cover? Michael Caine. Are we? Do we do? Do we do Kane? Do we do Kane and Abel? Is that the name of the show? How do? How, where does the Abel come in though? I like A B A B L E. Like we're Abel. Kane Ready, and Kane and Abel. The title can be worked on. Yeah. Walking Cane or... Walking Cane! Talking Cane. Talking Cane. Or... Maybe it's just talking. My, my Cocaine or... <laughs> podcast Cocaine. Hey, okay. Uh, future podcast put on hold. Uh, yeah. They get to Vegas. Yeah. So, um, DJ and Daffy are... Brendan Fraser 
and Daffy to emphasize. There's, a, there's a funny bit when they're driving and he's like, so what do you do? It's like, well, I'm a stuntman. It's like, oh, what kind of movies you did? Well, you seen those mummy movies? I was in them more than Brendan Fraser was. Yeah. Ha ha. Yeah. Funny Brendan Fraser slapstick yeah. bit. Although when I was a kid, I didn't realize he was actually Brendan Fraser. I thought he was just saying he actually was the stuntman in that. Which, I mean, he was. In theory, yeah. Okay. He did a lot of his own. He did his own stunts, as we know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're driving like a beat up old car. That was the, the cover for the spy car. Yeah. They make it to Vegas. Yeah. Um, and they pull through the City of Lights mm-hmm. um, to Yosemite Sam's Casino. Yeah. Because Yosemite Sam is now a casino owner. And I fucking love Yosemite Sam. Mm-hmm. My Two of my favorite Looney Tunes are Yosemite Sam and Foghorn Leghorn. Oh. Both of whom are present in the scene. You know what we missed? We missed a really, really good bit. What? In the diner when uh, <gasps> Kate and Bugs are talking about how they're going to get Daffy back. Yeah. And when, it, when oh, the camera cuts yes. in, we see a plethora of cartoon characters <clears throat> talking. Among them is the cartoon Shaggy. Yes. And Matt Lillard. And Shaggy's like, well, I just don't understand. You made me seem like a like like a, a stoned guy. Maybe and so. he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I did the voice to try to like, you know, you know, stay true to the character. It's like, well, just don't screw it up for the sequel. Yeah. And, and then, then Scooby and the tries Shag- to bite him. Yeah. And Scooby's like, our Scoob. Yeah. Don't mess up the sequel. And I'll give you a Scooby snack. There was a great tweet a few months ago and it was just. I'm bleeding out, Scoob. <laughs> just no other context. <laughs> I'm bleeding out, Scoob. <laughs> it doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our friend. I hate it here. <laughs> I need to go home. I need to call my mom. <laughs> I need to check out how she's doing. Mom, can you pick me up? Everyone's doing bait impressions. Everyone's doing bait impressions at the party. <laughs> mom, everyone's putting their, their pain relief headsets on and doing bait. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> the goof on me in the sequel. Oh, coming yes. after you. Do the pain voice. It's a popular thing now. Imagine when they do the Batman No Way Home and Bane comes out before he's back. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. So they're at Yosemite Sam. So, Yosemite Sam. So they're at Vegas. Yes. They're in Vegas. They're at Yosemite Sam's. My favorite character is Foghorn Leghorn and Yosemite Sam are there. And Foghorn Leghorn is the presenter. He's like, I, 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 I do declare uh, we're presenting our show, uh, Dusty Tales. I say, I say. That's a good Daniel Craig impression. Oh, fiddlesticks. So, meanwhile, Yosemite Sam gets a voice recording from Steve Martin, yeah. uh, the Mr. Chairman. Who tells him we need to stop DJ Drake from getting to Dusty Tales. And so Yosemite Sam rallies his posse, quite literally in this case. Yeah. Uh, to take out DJ. It's just dudes. Jamokes. Yeah. Meanwhile, we get a uh, a show. Yeah. Dusty Tales <laughs> comes out. And I can't remember what song she's performing. 
But no, but like no. all these like guys in Yosemite Sam outfits are dancing around. They're like, oh, oh, oh. It's just a bunch of Yosemite. I want to buy one of those Yosemite Sam costumes and just wear it around and get shot on the street. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other thing that can happen after you do that. (laughs) I was wondering what would break first. (laughs) Your spirit or or your body. you get if you wanted to be good you get yourself a bad guy that's the song yeah that's the song <laughs> I don't know the name of it I just know that beginning <laughs> got to get a bad girl oh Oh, there's all these like horny ass Yosemite Sam's dancing around. Oh my god! Uh, but Brendan Fraser, he bakes backstage and he puts on a Yosemite Sam costume. And he gets into the like the dance. Dusty Tales, I need to talk to you. Yeah, about my father, Damian Drake. And she's like, let's go backstage, and then we just cut to them backstage. Yeah, yeah. literally, um, uh, just a spin. Wipe. Yeah, it's like a spin wipe. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're just in her room, and she reveals she's a spy, yeah. who's undercover at Yosemite Sam's club. Um, uh, how, what, what, it's just, um, the Jamokes just attack. Oh yeah. No, Daffy Duck opens the door to the room. Oh, she gives them the playing card. She gives them the playing card with the Mona Lisa on it. It's a queen with Mona, with the Mona Lisa in place of the queen. Yeah. Um, they don't point this out until like an hour later in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're Daffy Duck's like, that's not the blue monkey. That's worth nothing. That that's not a king size diamond. That's a queen of diamonds. (laughs) It is a Queen of Diamonds. That's actually a good point. I didn't even put that together. Um, and then he opens the door, and there's just a cannon there with Yosemite Sam and his like uh, his posse. And they're like, oh, heck. And um, Daffy slams the door shut. The cannon fires and blows his head off. Yeah, he gets hurled across the stage into a fire extinguisher. Because yes. they actually did do the fire extinguisher exploding practically. The yeah. cannonball passes through a changing room of girls. The cannonball then miraculously floats back with Daffy attached to it. It's like, hozoinks? And then, bam, goes yeah. back into the wall. It is... I want to point out the incredible compositing work in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is, like... Who Framed Roger Rabbit and this, like, look so diff- fucking difficult Yeah, to do. Apparently, they filmed every take about three... Well, they filmed it twice, but did two... Uh, three run-throughs of it at minimum of yeah. once with puppets... So they can actually see like what the blocking would be with yeah. like, their height and how and the everything. lighting would affect. Tommy Wiseau could never. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Weird pull. <laughs> uh, oh, because he did multiple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, they did a run through without them, and then they did a run through with uh, reflective balls. They can see where the light sources were for the animators. Hey, that seems hell. so difficult. Can you imagine being the AD on that? Yeah. Oh my god. And the thing like that, especially like. This is the last movie that Warner Brothers animation department does. Or they're like, they're hand-drawn animation. Yeah, at least the keyframes are hand-animated. Yeah. I don't know about the in-betweens, but... The, um, the last movie that they do is Osmosis Jones in 2001. Um, and then the department is shuttered. But it is brought back um, just to do this movie. 
because uh, Joe Dante insists that it be hand drawn for the uh, like the the characters to preserve their integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really just comes through, especially in a sequence like this, when there is so much practically happening. And there's all these anime characters like bounding around and running through everything. Yeah, Brendan mm-hmm. Fraser actually gets into a fist fight with some of the animated characters. Yeah. It seems pretty seamless. Yeah, no, it looks perfect. It looks incredible. Like, say what you will about this movie. It is, it was not easy and it's quite an achievement yeah. um, to accomplish. Uh, but the, they're, like a chase scene just basically happens in this casino. Um, phrase, there's a good part where they go to Foghorn Leghorn's uh, poker table. Mm-hmm. Blackjack. And the uh, what's that? Blackjack. Oh, blackjack. And the um, the Queen of Diamonds with the Mona Lisa on it gets stuck in his like little card feeder. And Fraser and Yosemite Sam just both get in there, both like hit me, hit me, hit me. And Fraser just keeps getting aces <laughs> until he finally gets the Queen of Diamonds. And Yosemite Sam says hit me, and um, Falcon Lakeland just hits him on the head with a frying pan. Yeah, um, it's a good gag. It's a real good gag. It is, but We're uh, a little left out. The the chase leads outside. Where um, uh, the spy car appears. Oh, because like I remember, this is when Bugs and Kate are yeah, sure. driving through. Like, we'll never find them. This city's massive. And they, then Daph, they literally run into them. Yeah, Daph never misses a cue. Yeah, they that was li- good. They literally run into them, and um, they hop in and take off in the spy car. Follow him. Yeah, <laughs> follow him. <laughs> dynamite. Who has dynamite? <laughs> And then, for some fucking reason, Jeff Gordon rolls up in his NASCAR, like, DuPont car. He's like, hey, check this. You know who I am? And uh, Yosemite Sam steals that race car. Yeah. And he and his goons are like, oh, heck! And they start chasing after them. And a a Vegas car chase occurs. An expensive-looking Vegas car chase occurs. Although a lot of, like, obviously sped-up car footage that was filmed at normal frame rates and then jankily sped up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's it's fun. It's a it's a technically impressive little car chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ends with um, them activating flight mode on the car. Yes, Daffy says mother. Yeah. Oh, he says take me to mother. He says going to mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, the car flies in the direction of mother. Yeah. Um, Yosemite Sam crashes into a building, and his plotline is done. Um, they go halfway across the sky and run out of gas is what happens, right? Brennan, like, switches it from autopilot to, like, manual. He yeah. he hits the gear shift in the car. That's all I actually know that happens. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, keep going. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he switches, like, a gear shift, and I think they crash in, like, the desert. Yeah, it, it starts plummeting, and then it stops right at the end, and they're like, ah, out of gas. Yeah. And then there's like, that's not how it works. And then it slams right into the ground. Yeah. Um, and so they're they're in the desert for a while. Uh, this is where they're... Uh, they somehow find, like, a change of clothes. Oh, no, no, no. They don't find a change of clothes because yeah. they go to sleep outside in the desert. And this is when, like, Fraser and Kate are obviously going to have, like, a thing together. Yeah, they're weird little romance in this yeah. movie. And then they're, they wake up the next day and they're walking through the desert. And they're like, ugh. There's mountains this way, that way, and that way, and that way. So I guess we should just walk this way. Yeah. And they keep walking, and that's when we get... This is the only part of the movie that I actually remembered. <laughs> the Walmart bit. Yeah, the Walmart bit is... I. It's fun to lampshade product placement like that. Yeah. And I did, I did really enjoy the Walmart bit. Yeah, it's like they're just in the middle of the desert, and then out of a mirage, Walmart! 
Yeah, and then he's uh, Daffy literally starts naming off brands, and at some point just goes, "Your insert your brand here." They got it all. Yeah, and it's like you think this is like shameful product placement. <laughs> it is an attempt to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, yeah. I think it works kind of. I lampshaded just yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I Joe Dante's he, good at kind of treading that line. Yeah. Kate literally says, audiences just expect it now. They don't even yeah. notice it. Yeah. To the extent that Walmart just literally appears. <laughs> I it's This is the only bit in the movie I remember as a kid. Yeah. I don't remember anything else about this movie except for the Walmart bit. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was hysterical. Yeah. I'm sure you Walmart did. just appears in the I'm middle sure of nowhere. I'm sure you did from Indiana. Of course, you'd find a Walmart impressive. Uh, it's just funny. Not impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> It is funny that it is the original Walmart design and not it the is, new yeah. Super Center design. Yeah. yeah. It's the old red logo. It's the old red logo. Uh, around this time, the chairman contacts Wiley Coyote. And yes. He's the, they basically go through all the Looney Desert Tunes. Desert operative. They go yeah. through all the Looney Tunes villains. Yeah. Or antagonists. Yeah. And when he says, Wiley Coyote, steal the card. And, of course, Wiley Coyote does not succeed. <laughs> yeah. All his missiles, like, turn around on him. Mm-hmm. And- you get to see him do express day of shipping. Yeah, and look, of course it falls on him. I do like the express day of shipping. It just yeah. instantaneously falls. Yeah. Gift wrap is free. Yeah, and there's, we have like missiles. Me, me. Our characters never notice Wiley Coyote. No. It just all keeps blowing As up. As they the should, because the Roadrunner never knows his coyote. Mm. There's like one funny explosion that like, <laughs> I... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When the missile blows up and it cuts to them in the desert and the explosion in the background. They yeah, it's don't like pay way in the background. And they also. don't pay attention to it at all. And I'm like, is you think that's a CGI explosion, or do you think they actually blew something up <laughs> and told the cast not to think about it at all? I, I don't think, think they, how far away your explosion is, you're gonna react to it. I don't yeah. It was just so funny. It is a good bit. Yeah. I like it. Um movie's got good bits. And then they're walking through the desert some more, and that's when Fraser walks through a portal. And he finds a portal in the desert. And he's like, guys, it's air-conditioned in here. Come yeah. on in. Uh, and they enter like a secret military base. This is my favorite section of the movie. Area this is a great 52. Two. Um, they walk in, and they find Mother, who the, the car was trying to bring them to. Yeah. Uh, played by Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack, mo- one of the most underrated actresses of our day. Yeah, she's incredible, and she's so funny. In she's this. a phenomenal she's actress. Great. She deserves yeah. three Oscars. But the thing that I love about this scene is it's area. She says it's Area Fifty One was a lampshade to disguise the fact that the military actually kept the aliens at Area Fifty Two. Yeah, which is good. Um, but what's fun about this scene is like the robot from Forbidden Planet is her assistant. And then in all the vials are actual B movie costumes. Yeah. yeah. From like it's like um There's a Dalek from Doctor Strange. There's Dr. a Dalek Who. from Doctor Who. There's the um the ape with a fucking um like the, the like the dome head. Yeah, from Robot Monster. Mm-hmm. Um which I have right here. Of course you fucking have Robot Monster. Yeah, there he is. See. Why do you have that movie? Uh, because it's so it's, fucking funny. Because it's Jeff. Moon monsters launch attack against Earth. Robot monster. But yeah, that, that's the guy right there. Wow. And I also just think it's very fun that they actually like did a pretty convincing job with the Dalek costumes also because this is still a solid year or two before the reboot happened. I think so, yeah. So they're still like firmly like 50s cheese or like early 60s cheese Yeah, that's monsters. the thing that's funny about the, the Doctor 2 or the Doctor Who element is it is literally just like this back when Doctor Who was just a... um. Like a, a 50s, 60s. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, I found the full list of the aliens. It's um from this island Earth, Forbidden Planet, the man from Planet X, which is the the creepy guy in the uh, the spacesuit. And then the best bit of it is um Bane is in one of the tubes, right? Yeah, Bane is in one of the tubes. <laughs> they do let Bane out and he blows up, he crashes this plane. <laughs> blows up the stadium. But no, my favorite bit of this is um when Junkie's X like leading them backstage. Um there's a um Kevin McCarthy appears, not the you know, House uh Republican leader, but the actor from Invasion of the Body Snatchers playing his character from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and he's just walking through. They've painted him black and white, um, and he's carrying a pod for one of the pod people. And he's like, they're changing into us! And they're like, all right, Grandpa, come along. <laughs> um, I think that's... You're next. You know, Joe Dante, like, his, his career is so much inspired by 50s B-movies, and I think this is a really lovely little way for him to express that love and affection. Um, by just like putting all these monsters from classic movies into into this lab, giving Kevin McCarthy a chance to reprise that role for just you know a fun little bit, or you know, you know, acknowledging all these things that were formative for him and formative for the culture that this movie grows out of. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvin the Martian's also in one of the tubes. Yeah, and, and also the tubes are just mason jars with air holes punched yes. into them. That is a fun little detail of them. Yeah, that is good. But he gets a uh, a call from the chairman. Now Marvin the Martian is the next like uh, operative. Who's Which deployed. he pulls out a ray gun and is able to get out of the mason jar yeah. very quickly and like, easily. Yes, I shall get out. I love Marvin. Yeah, Marvin's yeah. great. I also just love his over like overly scientific and over enunciation of everything. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to turn it in. I'm going to turn it. In. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Every if, impression turns into a Bane what impression. What was in one of these tubes? That would be really funny. Yeah. Um, like, with no survivors nine years before the Dark Knight Rises Bane's in one of these tubes <laughs> well it would have been like the early 2000s uh, George Clooney yeah, one. No, yeah it would have or been Val George Kilmer. Clooney baby. it's like <laughs> 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 uh, Jesus Christ um, we're damned yeah we are we are damned to hell uh, so they, so I think this is when like all the, all Marvin, the Mar, the, the Martian frees all the other aliens and it's like, it's a revolution. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. this is also where we learn Acme's plot, why they, what the blue monkey is and oh, why they want yeah. They watch a, um, a video. Um, I'm trying to find it's this mystical blue gem that's in Africa somewhere. Well, they don't know that. Yet, um, they know like this blue monkey is a is a diamond that turns people into monkeys, and Acme's plan is to turn the whole entire population of the world using a satellite into monkeys to enslave them to make more Acme products, then turn them back into humans to buy said products. Yes, I'm trying to find capitalism. The, uh... It's evil today. <laughs> and yesterday it's free, and for the future it's free real estate <laughs> I'm trying to find so what are you doing Jeff no the video they show that video um, to the uh, to the guys and the actor who's playing like the the agent within the video I'm trying to find him uh, like the guy's like this is the plan of the Acme Corporation 
it has real like how to spot a communist vibe. It's Peter it. Graves. It's Peter Graves. Um, who is also in Men in Black Two in the exact same role, which is the reason why I was thinking of this. It, in Men in Black Two, he appears um, when they're watching that Mysteries in History video, mm-hmm. and he tells them about like Serlina and all that stuff. The people who've seen Men in Black Two, uh, but he's the one who's like, "This is the plan of the Acme Corporation: put the diamond in space, turn everyone into monkeys." Um, at that point, Marvin the Martian and the aliens lead the revolution. Yeah. They're revolting and they're destroying the lab. the The score for this scene is lodged in my head since I was a child. The yeah. It's also the DVD menu music. Yeah. So that's probably why it's in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The score is composed by Jerry Goldsmith. It's the last score he ever does. Oh. Wait, he, Jerry Goldsmith, as in Star Trek? Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, Star Trek and Alien. Um. This is the last score Jerry Goldsmith ever did. Yes. Tragic. He um he does this and he becomes too ill to finish the movie. So uh John Debney does the last <sighs> reel. What's worse? Sh- Sean Connery's last movie being The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? No, that's or funny. Jerry Goldsmith's N- last. And number movie. 1, Sean Connery's last movie is not The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. His last movie is Sir Billy. <laughs> Get your fucking shit together. Uh, First live action role. Orson Welles' last movie was Transformers the movie in 85. It's so funny. Stuart, have you ever seen Sir Billy? No. It's an animation, isn't it? <laughs> Sir, this is Sean Connery's final non-live action movie. <laughs> Sir Billy. I don't think I ever need to watch that. I think just seeing the poster for that, I've now seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, I feel Sir like Billy. I just saw the movie. I feel like I get it. I get what it is. Why do I feel like that guy talks in the Bane voice? <laughs> doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. And our plan is to force people to watch Sir Billy. <laughs> I think we've read it dry. We've read it. I think the we've well read is dry. The well is dry on the Bane voice bit. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the run out of Area 52 with the card... They go to Paris. They now know they have to go to Paris. Go to the Louvre. Go to the Louvre and find the Mona Lisa. Yeah, they get to Nevada, from Nevada to Paris by doing a screen wipe. Yes. Um, When they're running out of of Area 52, Marvin the Martian, like, holds a gun at them. He's like, stop in the name of the... Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like, stop and be fricasseed. Yeah, I can't remember what he says, but that's been lodged in my brain since I was a shit is his delivery of that word, that sentence that I still don't know what he says. When that happened, I was like, oh, throwback. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. um, Memories. Stop. Um, but they do escape, and they go to Paris. Yeah. The next operative is deployed by Acme Corporation. It's Elma Ford. Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's still on the run. But they go to the Louvre, yes. and that's when they sneak into the museum, and they hold up the card against the Mona Lisa. They peel it, and it yeah. finds out that it's like a little window. Yeah. See-through thing. And it reveals National Treasure glasses style, the map. Well, first it, it reveals the Mona Lisa is wearing a bra. Yes. And then she screams. And then they Which I thought up. the Mona Lisa was Leonardo da Vinci in drag. 
I think it was his boyfriend in drag. Oh. It was a, that's why it's so funny whenever people are like, Leonardo da Vinci, the painter of such great like Catholic paintings, and is like, uh, the gayest man in art history. Yes. yes. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci. He's making good movies nowadays, though, right? <laughs> I was just about to say something. <laughs> I wasn't. I'm glad for the out. <laughs> No. <laughs> 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 We're gonna talk about him later this year for Killers of the Flower Moon. Da Vinci, yeah, D- DiCaprio, but D- Da Vinci, I, I get, Da Vinci. I get the fucking joke you do. Um, but then we get the best scene of this movie. Yes, I love this chase scene. Uh, there's a chase scene, um, between Bugs, Daffy, and Elmer Fudd through all the paintings of the Louvre. They're playing um, pictures at an exhibition, uh, the classical music um, track. <laughs> yeah. As they're jumping through like all these different paintings and adopting their art styles, and they have to play to the rules of the painting. Yeah. Yeah, like they're in a uh, uh, Dali painting, and it uh, starts melting, melting them all. Yeah. yeah. And well, my favorite is when they go to the pointillism one. Yeah. And uh, Elmer Fudd jumps out, and Bugs Bunny is like, pointillism. Uh, a style of art of which an image is made of many points that uh, adds up to a final image and then blows Elmer Fudd into like Thanos. Yeah. He gets gets endgamed. He gets gets endgamed. And then he looks at the camera, breaks forth. I was like, I feel like anybody who goes to the movie should learn something. Yeah. (laughs) Daffy's line, uh, connect the dots, sing himself back together. Yeah. Yeah. This, this movie, um, I want to say this movie looks really nice. Mm hmm. Um, Joe Dante obviously has an expressionist point. This movie is also shot by Dean Cundey, mm-hmm. um, who's one of the great cinematographers um, of, you know, was Robert Zemeckis' early work. He did Jurassic Park, um, a lot of, you know, or some early Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also currently doing some career worst work on the new season of The Mandalorian. Uh, I have not actually watched any of the new Mandalorian it's maybe yet. the ugliest looking show I've ever seen. It's not the ugliest. Jeff, shut up. I mean, it's not the ugliest looking show. It, it doesn't look, look phenomenal. It looks no. so flat. No, no. Because every scene is they're you like in so a desert looking at the fucking volume. to some like okay cinematography. Hey, if you want to see some cool cinematography, Picard season three has been pretty great so mm-hmm. far. The thing about the the Mandalorian that Dean Cundy is like they're standing, they're using the volume so much that everything can the volume like, isn't enough. They can. There's like only so many angles you can do with the volume because. Oh, because then you're going to get off of the volume. Yeah, eventually, like you're you're off the fucking volume if you keep using everything. From what I've seen online, it looks like it's a lot of medium and far shots, and that's it. Yeah. Like they they don't. Yeah, they they don't exploit all the full opportunities of using a camera to tell a story. Um, it looks like the book of the first two seasons of The Mandalorian look good. Mm-hmm. The new season looks bad. Um, because they went from Baz Idion and um, God, what's his name? Greg Frazier. They did the first two seasons and they know how to work within that volume and within that space and use that to their advantage. Dean Cundy comes from like a very practical background. So when he's confronted with it, he's just, he's trying to shoot it like a normal show and you can't do that. I see. And he did book of Boba Fett and the new season, of the Mandalorian. It's, it's not working. Um, Andor looks great though. Um, back to Looney Tunes back in action. Dean Cundy is good work on this movie. 
Um, and then while this Louvre chasing is happening, uh, Kate gets kidnapped by the execs over at what's it? Acme. Acme. Yes. I watched the movie. I remember what happened. <laughs> so I gets, watched it. She maybe gets kidnapped and brought to the top of the Eiffel Tower because that's how you do things in Paris. And oh, yeah. Brendan Fraser runs after her. He has these jetpack pants and he tries to use them. But of course, the pants just fly off. Mm. Should have worn a belt. And instead he steals pants from a bear. It's uh, an old Looney Tunes uh, cartoon with the three bears from like Goldilocks, three bears. But uh, it's essentially grumpy old dad uh, not getting along with kid. Cartoon. All I'm hearing is Brandon Fraser sexually assaults and molests one of the Goldilocks bears. <laughs> he does. Yeah, no. And it's it's framed like that also. Yeah. Like it's framed with oh, malice. No, 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 no. Just want your pants. <laughs> oh, I want more than just Fraser's pants. Whoa. 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 But he does go to the top of the Eiffel Tower and rescues Kate. And they jump off, and he uses his grappling hook cell phone that he got earlier to mm-hmm. um, to save her. Yeah, to save her. But they got the phone. Yeah. But the phone, the picture that they took of the map is all obstructed by Daffy, Daffy Duck, Duck posing. posing in the middle. Yeah. And uh, but somehow they do find out where the yeah the thing is. They at least know it's in it's, Africa. Yeah, because it's Granny, a, a very small com- continent. Uh, very easy to find. Very things. small continent. Very easy to find things in. Yes. So they go to Africa. Like in movies when people are like, we're going to Africa. And it's like, all right. Where? That's yeah. like a fucking continent with like 30 countries in it. Let's let's narrow this down a bit. Africa. Yeah. Africa that can fit the United States, China, Russia, and all of Europe in it. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's crazy. Almost every other con- every continent can fit inside of Africa. That's how big Africa is. Africa do be big. Doofy fucking giant. Yeah, but they they go to um honking mass. They go to this uh, temple of the forbidden monkey or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come across Granny Tweety and uh Sylvester the cat, who for some reason are va- uh, vacationing in Africa. And yes. we're immediately led to believe there might be something shifty going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get to the, the temple, temple of Doom. Yes, uh, where there are traps, of course. But they're able to. They have. They get a barrel of monkey monkey piece that unlocks a puzzle that unlocks a lever that unlocks the blue monkey gem. Mm-hmm. Fraser lifts it up, gets turned into a monkey, gets turned back, and then Granny and Tweety then unzip themselves and reveal that they are wearing the body skin suits. Yeah, of these of, characters. Of these characters, and it is actually the chairman, his henchman, his henchman, and, and the Tasmanian, Tasmanian devil. devil. The Tasmanian devil, voiced by Brendan Fraser in this. Yes, movie. really. Yes, over the original voice actor. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. And then the chairman turns out to be his dad. Yeah, because yeah. the chairman's like, "It's actually not me." It's like, and he tries to reach. Back. It's like, "Oh, I did. I did a rehearsals with the hat. Can you take the hat off?" Okay, yeah. thank you. And then, zzz, and then it's, it's Damian Drake. Yeah. Hey, son. son. He's like, touch your feelings. You know it to be, to be true. true. It's like, dad, no. And it's like, yeah. well, it's not actually me. And then zips, and it's Michael Jordan. <laughs> with, with, with stock footage from Space Jam. Yeah, it's Space Jam stock like archive footage. Yeah. And he's like, like hastily thrown in. Also yeah, he's like, like, all right, boys, let's run some drills. <laughs> this doesn't make a lick And then sense. he unzips himself again, and it's actually the chairman. Yeah. You can actually still see like green screen fuzz coming in on him. That's how quickly they threw <laughs> not him in this. lit to look like he's there at yeah. all. No. <laughs> it's barely a... lit to look like he was in Space Jam. 
Yeah. In Space Jam 2, um, they could not get Michael Jordan to come back in any capacity. Uh, so there's a part where they, they call, they try and summon Michael Jordan to play on their team, and Michael B. Jordan comes out. I did see that clip. That's a good bit. Wow. The one good bit of that Why movie. Why did Michael Jordan not want to come? Uh, he's probably making too much money. Uh, Selling underwear. Um, saying, fuck shoes. them kids. <laughs> fuck them kids. <laughs> <laughs> you seen that? No. It's like he's he's given the option... Um, they're like, hey, if you, I mean, I'm going to look up the exact context. I don't want to besmirch. Um, he did come under fire recently for something, right? He's come under fire a few times. You don't get that famous without going under fire every once in a while. Yeah. Um, okay. So a, like a youth basketball camp bet Michael Jordan that if he missed three shots, then the entire camp would get air Jordans. <laughs> um, like if he missed the shots, then all the kids would get free shoes who were underprivileged. And Michael Jordan said, fuck them kids and made the shots. <laughs> and none of the kids got shoes. I'm trying to find the video of him saying, fuck them kids. Does he actually say he fuck does them. actually say fuck them kids? <laughs> you guys have seen the Michael Jordan drug PSA from McDonald's, right? Yeah, I I do believe he did actually give the kids the shoes. Oh, okay. well then what the fuck's the problem? Eventually, because it's just really funny that without the context, it's just hey, if you miss, we get all these shoes, and he's like, all right, and it just goes super. Why hard. is it framed like if he misses, they get the shoes? Yeah, it should be if he makes it. He yeah, it should be if you can make all these basketball hoops these kids will get shoes and it's like all right that would that'd be really funny because he like fucked him kids and throws the ball in the other <laughs> direction <laughs> that that would be some story yeah. that would actually be kind of funny just like if you make all these baskets you can get all these kids shoes cool starts pelting the audience with basketballs just chucks it at a kid's <laughs> face Ow! <laughs> fuck them kids bro <laughs> Um, but yes, the um, the chairman teleports them, captures them all, and teleports them back to their their skyscraper. They have switched body parts. Yes, and he has to go to the the rebuilder or whatever yeah. that's called. But yeah. then he uh, takes them away, and he says, "Work me and my the love of my life." Uh, what's her name? Mary. Mary. Mary are gonna be in this like monkey shield, and the, the uh, Marvin. The Martian's going to take the gym up into space, put it in a satellite, and it's going to beam the whole world into monkeys, mm -hmm. except for me and Mary. And so then Brendan uh, Fraser and Kate are chained up in like a warehouse. They see his father, who is chained on a railroad track with a high-speed train coming at him, driven by Wile E. Coyote, surrounded by dynamite and bombs. And then also a pendulum yeah. of doom. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, no, I didn't ask for the pendulum of doom. doom. That's too much. That's overkill. Why would I ever ask for the pendulum of doom? I thought the pendulum of doom was so fucking funny. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's the way it's like, in like this super wide shot that's just inherently funny. <laughs> and so... Daffy and Bugs get in another spaceship and chase after Marvin. Yeah, the to Martian. go stop the, yeah. the space. Meanwhile, mission. Brendan Fraser and Kate, they easily get out of their chains. Yeah. Even pointing it out how easy it was. And then they have to fight this big giant dog. 
Um, but then Fraser's able to, at the last second, get his dad out of the dynamite yeah. bed, save his dad. We while Bugs and Daffy, I'm just speeding through this, yeah. were able to knock out uh, Marvin's ship, well, get bu- the gem. Bugs isn't capable of doing it, and Daffy has to save the day finally. Yeah. He finally gets yeah. to be the hero. He yeah, he, be duck he, dodgers. He duck dodgers. He turns into duck dodgers. Turns into duck dodgers. And, and saves, saves the, the day. day. You know who to the rescue. And then the, 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 the satellite does send one tiny beam off, but it is precisely aimed at the Acme Tower right when uh, the chairman steps out of his monkey shield like, are you all monkeys yet? Yes. <laughs> Bing! And then he gets turned into a monkey. Yes. He's the only one turned into a monkey. Yeah. And, and so they all come out. They see the chairman as a monkey and then... Pulls out really, really tiny monkey cuffs. Yeah. Yes, that one's monkey cuffs. Were <laughs> and then, uh, he, yeah, he has them on him. But they do take. And, um, and 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 then what happens, Jeff? Is his dad says, "Son, you just saved the world. You saved your dad, and you got the girl. What are you gonna do now?" And Fraser turns to the camera. It's like, "I'm gonna sing." And then it's a musical. Yeah. It's. Well, no. What actually happens is Marvin the Martian. We cut back to him in space. And um, Bugs, like, has him tied up. And then he just... And then suddenly, Bane! No, I don't, I'm, I'm done with the Bane jokes. Um, oh, my God, Jeff. So... Oh, yes, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm clenching right now. We're clenching. so close to the end of this movie. <laughs> I'm uh, clenching. So the next scene is the the last scene, and it re- it's revealed that they're filming the movie adaptation. They're filming Looney Tunes back in action. Yes. Um, Fraser sees the real Brennan Fraser. Yes, who's an asshole. Who's in a white suit, and sunglasses, he, holding his award. Yeah, and a, and like a dog. Yeah, and he punches him in the face. It's a great sight. It's a good joke. It's also kind of sad when you learn like that yeah. Brendan really yes. wanted to do that because he like was so down on himself. Because you think about it, Fraser in his own right, in his own merit, is not that person. Yeah. He's never known for being a diva. But he like But just, he sees himself He felt as... himself unworthy of the fame and thought that's yeah. how he was being perceived. Yeah. Very um, sad. It's like depressing. <laughs> but guess what? He's an Oscar winner now. Yes, yeah, he's so an Oscar winner. He now. is worthy of the fame. So he um, he punches himself. He's the re- he's the star now. Kate got her job back. Daffy and Bugs are the stars of the the movie. Yeah, and everyone then, gets a happy ending. Yeah, Daffy didn't realize that he was filming the movie the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone gets a happy ending, and then we get the like the. The circle. But Porky's not able to well, that's say over. it. That's it. We're yeah. over. Yeah. You can go home, folks. Go home. Yeah. That's the movie. That's Looney Tunes back in action. And then there's an it and then there's, there's an end credit scene. Oh yeah. And it's cut to space. The sun creeps over the horizon of Earth camera pans over to the right and we see a floating body it's marvin cut to an extreme close-up of his black face eyes open open. (laughs) cut to marvin the martian will return marvin and they cut to black marvin the martian will return in ant-man 3 (laughs) (laughs) quantum Uh, craziness quantum (laughs) quantum mania what (laughs) 
heard that was a bad movie. Uh, it's not good. It, it, it was I. I haven't seen it. Like, in terms of like a movie actually being bad, it's fine. It's just that there's it could be more. My favorite part of that movie is um. None of it. <laughs> I was trying to think of a part that uh, there is a part that I liked. And I can't. Oh, I like Modoc. He was good. I like Modoc, and I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Glad we had um, this talk. Uh, so it, this movie comes out November fourteenth of two thousand three. It gets pushed from a summer release um, because they need more time to finish the effects and whatnot. I think that kind of bones this movie. Yeah. If you look at the deleted scenes, it feels like the movie originally ended at the like temple of the blue monkey. Mm-hmm. There's like a shot of Tweety getting hit by it, but instead of turning into a monkey, it turns into like a prehistoric bird. Yeah, and then eats the chairman. Interesting. So maybe there were like some reshoots involved. Yeah, I honestly wonder if that entire last sequence with them in space, because it's all animated, if that yeah. was a new sequence. That's possible. Um, so there's this movie. Um. I think it gets boned by having that release date push because this is such a summer movie. This is a movie you yeah. take your kids to mm-hmm. when there's nothing else. I mean, not that there's nothing else to see. Um, and it, but it's like very bright, very excited. Comes out November fourteenth. Um, it is a major flop. This movie makes sixty-eight million dollars against a budget of eighty million. That's twelve million dollars of losses before you even get into like marketing, marketing and how much of a cut you actually make off of theatrical run. This is a movie that could have been saved by summer matinees of yeah. like grandparents taking their yeah. kids. If this had been released in the summer, I think it, you know, does a lot better. Because the idea is that this is supposed to relaunch Looney Tunes in the same way that Space Jam was an attempt to. Mm-hmm. Space Jam they didn't capitalize on quick enough. But the idea is that this movie relaunches it. They were gonna have new shorts. They were gonna do a Duck Dodgers TV show. They did do that. Um they did, in fact. Yeah, I watched that on Cartoon Network yes. when I was a kid. I think they were too far along in that one to cancel it. But it only lasted for like a year and a half or so. Oh, isn't this also when they did Lunatics, the weird edgy reboot of Looney Tunes? Um, Let me find that. Lunatics Unleashed. Yes. Um, Lunatic Lunatics Unleashed is kind of like this movie doesn't work. So I see. attempt that next. But because this is such a major flop, um, the keep Looney Tunes does not come back to the theaters for two decades until Space Jam: A New Legacy in 2021. Um, they only have a few TV shows. Um, Looney Tunes is kind of seen as like tainted, like fruit. the The other byproduct of this, the massive collapse of this movie, is that Brennan Fraser's career never really recovers mm. from this. Um, I do want to say Roger Ebert loves this movie. He gives it two thumbs up. He says it's a cheerful and self-referential romp blending animation with live action and a nonstop quest for silly laughs. I mean, I kind of, that's not an inaccurate description of it. I like this movie. Yeah. I think it's overhated a lot of times. And I feel like a lot, I feel people do somewhat turn around this movie and if like, this is the superior movie to space jam oh yeah space jam is space jam is kind of a war crime yeah space jam is fun in its absurdity when you think that someone really thought this was working yeah space jam is a bad movie that has a few good bits like i think my favorite bit in space jam is when all the basketball stars are getting medical treatment of why they're bad at basketball that's the best scene in space jam when it's um uh charles barkley and he's like sitting in there and he's like god 
why were my skills taken from me? Yeah, and like they're all in therapy and like getting like extreme medical tests done mm-hmm. on them. Um, well, the actual best part of Space Jam is when Wayne Knight gets inflated. <laughs> oh my god! Um, which I just want to show you guys again. No, <laughs> in case you forgot. How oh, the, I always remember how flat Wayne Knight. In case you forgot what this looks like. I really hope the audience is enjoying this visual gag on this audio podcast. Disturbed. Look at his eyes. (laughs) Stuart looks like he has seen the eye of God. No God would allow this. Uh, Space Jam, not a good movie. Space Jam 2. Uh, Space Jam 2, probably worse. Um, but yeah, that that's Looney Tunes back in action. Um, I, I have to get back to it. It does, you know, it, Fraser's career doesn't really recover from this. This was his last, like, I don't want to say his last shot at, like, leading a major franchise. Um, because he does get two more shots. If we're thinking in the ter- tone of, like, concurrent time frame with this movie being released and we don't know what his career is doing after yeah. this I would say it's not like the nail in the coffin but the next two movies that come out are going to be yeah because I think like if you think about it like if I were his agent I'd be like okay that didn't work out for us at all we need something good quick right now to prove you're still here you're still relevant and then lo and behold you get a letter from Universal it's like the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor take it Take it! Yeah, because... Take the fucking movie! Take the cash! Take it! Like, it makes sense why Fraser would have taken that. Because the next two things he does um, in this vein... He does a few more movies. But the next two things he does in this vein are Journey to the Center of the Earth and Inkart. Oh, I did see that one also. That's a part of my uh, Brendan Fraser catalog. Which he gets replaced by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, he gets replaced in the sequel. Um, But, like, Journey to the Center of the Earth... um, is in kind 3D. Of ju- it's basically just the mummy. Like, it's a riff on the mummy. Yeah. And Inkart is a very special case where he the book is written with him in mind for it, and the, the writer advocates for him to play that yeah. character. But in regards to Brendan Fraser being like, this guy will lead a major franchise again. It's this is not looking yeah. good. It's not his, looking he's, good. his Superman movie doesn't get made, and this is all kind of falling apart right now. This is the beginning of the end. Which I... It's not the end. I want a new movie. Yeah. Where Fraser fights Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, and Dwayne gets his ass beat because he. Yeah, but he, he can't lose in any of his movies. Ruined it. Um, what Dwayne The Rock Johnson? And it's a ruined brutal, brutal fight that becomes more uncomfortable to watch because you just see Fraser's anger. Yeah. And you see on the rock, and eventually he's just gonna fucking just get him at a point. They're both super bloodied and broken. But Fraser gets the edge, and so he just has him pit on the ground and just boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, yeah. boom. He just starts yeah. crying. Fraser gets the edge. The edge gets into this movie. All right, thank you all for listening. That's all, folks. Please remember to rate, subscribe, or whatever platform you are listening on. 
Uh, as a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, you can pop to Reddit R slash Revolting. You can find me on Twitter at JeffWZWZ. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at RevoltingPod. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say. I'll do the play. I'll do the play. I'll say, I'll say, I'll do the play. David, anything to play. David, thank you. Any final thoughts? Oh, I got some final thoughts of I love this movie, even though it's summoned to me. And you can find me just standing in the corner of your room when sleep paralysis kicks in. Oh, fetal sticks. It's me, Yosemite Sam. Oh, oh thank you for listening to this episode. Well, make sure to tune next week for our episode on Crash. No, I don't want to get to it. No, no, I don't want to watch it. Special thanks as always to Michael Van Bodega Smith for the music, Angie Gardner for social media, and Rebecca Johnson for the graphic design. Make sure to tune next week for Crash. No, I don't want to watch Crash. Please.